0: Welcome to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation podcast. In this episode, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Today's episode is a recording taken directly from a live Q&A session with Breathing Deeply founder Brant Pasalakwa and students of our Yoga Therapy Foundations program. Our first question is, how can I understand more about the esoteric side of yoga therapy, such as the pranic body and the koshas?
1: You know, there's different ways to kind of look at yoga therapy, first of all, Um, and the kosha system. there's like different ways to look at the kosha system. Um, a lot of people would say in the end, these koshas don't matter that much because like you said, it's like you have your body and if you can get down to like the vijnana and anandamaya kosha, you're gonna like understand what you need to understand. But that's from a spiritual development point of view. So, like lots of yoga teacher like yoga yoga teachers would be like, you know, they just meditate or, you know, you know, they like they don't think this way really, because it's not important. They're like just veils and they're not the ultimate truth. So it, it's almost like that's where you're living. It's sort of like, well, yeah, I'm doing my like deep work and I'm taking care of myself, you know, and that makes sense to me. Um, but people experience their pathologies you know and they suffer in the koshas so it's like that's that's how i ended up here you know kind of like in my thinking it's just like people have different ways in which things express themselves that cause them suffering and so you can't just like hop over everything um and a lot of the buddhist teaching it's really and i say but it's the buddhist teachings are so varied and wide but but there's like this generalized thing i would say where um and and i will say what i've noticed is that very advanced buddhist teachings actually land where 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 we land earlier it's like it's just like a reversal in the method but like the general teachings are like everything's impermanent just like kind of you know, it's 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 all based in this middle path stuff, which is like negotiate your mind, you know, properly. Um, so you can see things clearly and things will work themselves out. But that doesn't have as many health benefits. So um, you know, so let's start. So you have the physical body, it's not, and then you have the pranic body, and the pranic body is not separated from the physical body. So that's the first thing. So for you, it's like, the first thing to understand is that like those in yoga, those two concepts are tied. Mm -hmm. Like they're so tied. And, and if, if you look at it from a Western perspective, it's kind of like the pranic body is the, is all the connections that, you know, we think about in Western medicine, we try to like drill down on that we don't really understand. Um, you know, that we have some science on now. So it's like, you know, every day now there's like more Western information on how things talk to each other, work, how DNA works, how genetics work out, you know, and the pranic body is sort of like this really cool concept that you can use, you know, to tie that all together in yoga, Um, you know, and, or like even fascial theory, it's like, like, there's so much coming out on like how, You know there's like these really subtle chemical messengers working through across your body and mind now they all talk to each other and yogi's been talking about this forever right so what we know now is that fascia talks to each other Mm. and it's chemical it's real it's like you can study it it's complicated though and you know look fascial research does not get like 50 billion dollars a year yeah. you know to look into this you know it's like if there was a use like in that way you know you would you would have a lot more information but it's like slow because it's like you know sure. still pretty alternative to like hang out and study fascia all day so but what That's we do know is is that it talks right and so yogis have been using the pranic body kind of like to look at that and 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 they're like, look, when you breathe in a certain way and when you visualize connections in your body, different people have different experiences. Mm -hmm. And those experiences are physical and they're also emotional. Um, And people have, you know, there's trauma stored, right? Like that's just in its infancy. But but yogis have been saying, if you like clear the nadis, like this is how they've been talking about it. If you connect, clear, balance, whatever your language is, those nadis, those connective energetic pathways, all sorts of things happen. And you can't fully understand your own system, you know, without having that as part of it. So just to sort of juxtapose. So if you just sit and just do awesome, there's nothing wrong with that, but you're going to miss that. And so a lot of times when people are sick, whether it's mental health or physical, you know, they're having stuff, it's in that system and that system is wide. You know, it's not one thing because it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. But but the idea of an energetic system, you know, is not outside Western thought. Acupuncturists have been working with this forever. Yeah, you know what I mean. They've been studying electromagnetic connections in the body, which they can do. They can map it. It's just that you know, and there's new. um There's even new. I was just reading a company, like a pharma company like there's new technology where they're doing sort of electromagnetic work for certain types of um, lung cancer. I mean, they have machines, they use them, they sell them, you know, and it works. Like, so, you know, this is like, and and yogis have been saying, well, if you you tend to your pranic body in a certain way, you might have better outcomes. So it's just like every other thing we do where you have like, you know, antidepressants, and then we're like, and you should move and breathe. And like, probably together, that's gonna have like a really big, impact on you so i I don't know if that helps but like you know to like sort of it's not that esoteric it's just that it's not fully understood which anyone any researcher in the western world would would say to you you know it's like we're always thinking about doctors but doctors aren't the ones doctors are the delivery method Mm -hmm. of pharmaceuticals and stuff right they are not the thinkers it's like the researchers are different you know they're trying to figure out how things work. Doctors do not figure out how things work. Like that is right. not their job. And we're sort of like doctors in that way, where chronic body methods produce certain results. Your job is not necessary. I mean, you want to understand them as best you can, but like yeah. it's kind of you. you might be asking yourself too much to completely understand. It's more like an investigation, right? Mm-hmm. So in your own self, like you investigate, it's like, what's the difference between me doing a lying twist, me doing a lying twist and inhaling and exhaling, mm-hmm. me doing a lying twist and only thinking about my left hand and my right foot, me doing a lying twist and only thinking about my left hand and my right foot and connecting them through my body with my breath. What, is, what are the differences there? What's like the outcome? For you, it might not, you know, certain things might have certain outcomes or not, but mm-hmm. they're different. And that's, if, if you can get, wrap your head around how those experiences are different for your brain, then you've got it. Because okay. your brain controls everything, right? Yeah. Our, your perception, like your consciousness, right, you know, is filtered through your mind. So, so the fact that you had a different experience when I taught you a yoga class set six different ways, mm-hmm. proves to you that like, you're having a different experience. It's just that leap of like, well, what is the outcome of that? And the answer yeah. is, tell me if this helps, not be quite for me. but the answer is the outcome, right, is what it is. So for one person, you know, I have a client and I teach them to breathe down to their feet and then out the top of their head mm-hmm. and their pain is lessened by 50%. And the next client, I do that and it doesn't make a bit of difference, you know? And that doesn't bother. It's, it's, okay. it's a technique that might work the same way as if you're a doctor and you give them Advil and it doesn't touch their pain and then yeah. you give them Tylenol, they're like, all oh, my pain's gone. Yeah. And you're a doctor, you're like, great, take Tylenol. Like, you know, like you know I'm yeah. not gonna hang out. I mean, the researchers have to hang out and figure out why those two are different. It's, it's, it, it seems too simple. There's something about our minds where like, we're like, how can it be that the difference between standing here and doing half sun salutes and breathing and standing here and doing half sun salutes and breathing down to your feet produces a different result. I don't believe it. Like I don't, it, it seems similar. Cause when you look at it from an outside, when you watch mm-hmm. somebody do it, it's very similar, but your mind is not doing the same thing. Uh-huh. And you know this cause you're a meditator. I right, know you know right, this because true. you've done different meditation techniques. From the outside, you're just sitting there, trying to clear your mind in some way using some technique. You know, if you talk to like most people who study meditation, they're like, "Whatever. There's no difference between the breathing deeply meditation techniques and Headspace. There's no difference. You know, they all are going for the same thing, but that's not true. The subtleties are so important to any individual. And so as a as a yoga therapist you like we don't we're not researchers right like you're not a researcher so forget everything except the person in front of you Mm -hmm. is this experience that I'm going to share with you now is this change to the technique producing a different result for you that's your job yeah and so you know as a thinking person who's like fairly intelligent it's just, it's sometimes hard to like, remember that these little things are so important, you know? And people all the time ask, they're like, I don't understand, I don't understand why, what's the difference between doing mantra and chanting and doing, you know, kind of open, long meditational sits? Or what's, and that's why I presented them within the koshas like that. Mm -hmm. They're totally different. One person's gonna have a completely, if you have them chant Om Namah Shivaya for 45 minutes, they're gonna like leave their body, like dance with God, come back into their body. You know what I mean? And they're going to be like, my life is now changed. And you do it with somebody else and they're going to be like, my throat hurts.
0: What are some books to help me understand the spiritual roots of yoga?
1: You know what might be interesting for you to do? And this is like, this will seem totally off topic, but it's not.
0: Okay. Um,
1: Like Christopher Wallace has a book on like the history of Tantra. Books like that where you're like, wow, this is completely different than Buddhism
0: what i'm reading right now
1: you know what i mean like this is a completely different theory or um oh you know what might be actually easier and more relevant but uh alan finger has a sort of tantric version of commentary on the yoga sutras okay um that's much more probably up your alley you know it's the sutras but it's like a kind of different like slant on them mm-hmm. um, and I forget who wrote it with. Usually when you see the famous teacher and then the other person, I figured the other person probably wrote the whole book. That's usually how that works. So oh, right. she probably right. wrote the book and I, I'm apologizing out loud for not knowing her name, but, um, but that's a nice book, you know, that might like kind of wrap your idea around how people use these like yoga ideas in an embodied way. Um, so that's a nice book. Um, you know, most of the stuff I, I really love has not come from books, unfortunately. Got it. Um, they're from studying with my teachers. Yeah. Um, and you know practicing, but so we could talk more about that. But but though that that book might be a nice place for you to start in terms of like a sort of altered spiritual perspective. Um, and the other thing, the last thing I'll say is, um, you might want to think about really, in your own practice, understanding how the intellect and the Manamaya Kosha are separate, in a way from the okay. vijnanamaya Kosha, like sometimes I've noticed with Buddhist practitioners, um, they get cemented, it's, t- it's taught a little differently. So, you know, in yoga, like knowledge is is beyond the Manamaya Kosha, it's like thought is a little bit of a problem, um, and you know I don't really feel that way. Like you know,
0: I, I oh yeah, I'm I know thinking, very...
1: but <laughs> but 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 to kind of wrap your mind around how balancing your thinking is different than having spiritual experiences. It's different, and so the mm-hmm. techniques are different. It, I think is helpful.
0: How important is mental health for making healthy diet changes?
1: Things. I haven't seen anything yet that's really convinced me that there's anything bigger than um, like the mental health piece of being obese is like such a big thing um, that there's nothing that's the sort of shaken my faith in that. Like so in yoga talk, it's like without Vata balance, there's there's no – there's no habit change mm-hmm. you know um and so all these dietary approaches i just they they almost don't matter but every time you get convinced on one dietary approach is, is like better or something you get you know if you study nutrition like somebody challenges that right like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you ever see the study on the guys um two doctors they were trying to prove that like meat was basically bad for you it was like kind of like a supersize meat kind of thing but they ate only meet in a hospital setting for a month, like literally just bore. Th- I think it was beef, pork, and chicken. No, but nothing else, and water.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, like, n- they, you know, they were doing blood tests and all the things. Like, nothing happened to them. Um, so they continued it, and they continued it outside the hospital, but for a year, yeah. but nothing happened. To them. And the one mm-hmm. thing they um, health wise, and the one thing they discovered is because uh, there, there's a couple of really interesting things, but one of the things is they. Like, they realized that um, their bodies were extracting, I can't remember the science behind this, but they figured out that the body just got better at extracting, you know, nutrients from this meat, like, cause they were getting vitamin C, you know? It's <laughs> oh, yeah. kind That's of amazing, true. you know, cause they they adapted and then they stopped after a year, but they were like, they were literally perfectly healthy. They were like in their thirties, you know, they were healthy anyway, but like, they just like nothing bad happened. like. Their liver enzymes were the same. Like nothing happened to them. That always made a huge impression on me because like, you know, every study in the world has proven that like high high meat diets are probably not the ultimate human, I mean, diet. What I've come to is just how adaptable we are. It's pretty amazing.
0: How can I approach a client who has a trauma history and is also struggling with obesity?
1: And just think of them as a... Um, either a doshik puzzle, a trauma puzzle, Um, probably what you're going to end up doing is trying to do the doshik thing because you're going to try to like balance them a bit as your first kind of step, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the, the big thing in those case studies is your metrics, like what are you seeing? What are you trying to change? You know, so she comes with trauma and obesity, but you're you're really, you know, what, it's like, you know, four months or whatever, like, you're not going to change the obesity, really, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not gonna, you're not gonna have any meaningful thing that you could see there, but what you can, you could probably on your intake, really look at her sort of daily experience. I might start there. So yeah. I don't know if that helps, but in that way, it's not over your head, right? Like it's like, okay, is she is she disembodied? Is she, you know, um, experiencing a lot of anxiety? Like what's what's happening? You know, she's sleeping. You know, because as you know, all those things affect all the other things, right? So someone like that, you might even just look. I'm not saying you should do this. I'm just saying, you know, you might be like, okay, insomnia that that's gonna not make someone thinner. And certainly not make someone experience their emotional states, you know, well. So maybe that's what I need to look at. So you'll have to see what that client's really about for you at this time. One of the things you want to find out is that if that she's taken care of. So if she has like mental health stuff or trauma stuff, like you, she needs to be working with somebody else too. Like she needs a therapist or something, because you can't you can't take a trauma client on without mental health support because she starts moving around and starts experiencing, you know, getting triggered and such. Like you don't have the, the skills to help her with that. Um, well, it's also like, you know, you can't be everything. It, it doesn't actually work, even if you have the skills. Because I've I have a lot of skills, but I've I'm a skill collector. Sounds like you are too. Um, but It's not effective, you know, to do it all sometimes because it's too many things and the lines get blurred and you can't sort of do any of them well because you don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. So that's how I look at it. It's like if someone needs to be talked with an hour a week, like I cannot be the person to do that.
0: What are the protocols for working with clients who want to lose weight but are also suffering with other issues?
1: No, so we I have some weight loss protocols that are basically, you know, if you want to grind it down to its you know, basics is like a ton of um, Vata balancing for just like leveling off your mind so you can make different decisions and then like a lot of lifestyle regulation. So it's like Vata balancing lifestyle regulation, food regulation in that order. Um, And so I'm happy to do that with someone, but when I see that the other thing, like trauma, is getting in the way. Like they can't do it. Then sometimes we have to switch gears, and they're like, "I don't want to switch gears." I'm like, "Yeah, but you're not being successful. Like you're you're not able to do any of the things that like I'm sort of sharing with you because of this. So but that so that's when I switch gears. But I'm happy to work with somebody who has a lot of stuff and stay in the lane of weight loss because it's not it's it's not true that they can't do it. You know, it's just Person dependent, so that's what I'm kind of figuring out. But sometimes you're like, "Wow, you know, you know, your your binge eating is not reducing because it's all based on you know trauma stuff." And I'm getting that from them, you know. I mean, I'm not seeing it. It's not like I'm so I'm like the oracle, (laughs) like understands their mind. It's just like you're telling me that over and over. And at some point, like, we're going to have to deal with that. So sometimes it'll like start one way and then we take like a six month detour. And then we're back to the regularly scheduled program, stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's pretty complicated, but it, it can look, it can look like that. You know, And sometimes people in the middle of the process will be like, Oh, I didn't realize that like some people are, you know, there's all sorts of reasons you might gain weight. Right. So you can be very traumatized, but also just like have a terrible diet <laughs> or like, you know, you might not be eating because you're, tra- you know, so it's like, we have to figure that out. You know, you may, they might just be habits like anyone else. Right. And sometimes people with a lot of trauma will associate everything with their trauma. And so sometimes I spend a lot of time separating those. So I'm like, oh, sure. You've had a lot of trauma and we could certainly work on that, but like, you know, you also grew up drinking two liters of Coke for breakfast, you know, like people like experiences are, are experiences. So they're like, oh yeah, that's right. That's not really about my trauma. It's just like bad parenting. I'm like, yeah, that's just bad parenting, you know? So, <laughs> you know, you, you could fix that, like, you know, without, you know, and I've even had clients say, I, here's my history. I just want you to know because you should know that like I'm a sexual abuse survivor, but I do not want to work on that with you. You know, I've worked on that. I have a therapist, um, which is always great. Like, I love it. I love those clients because they like know themselves. They're like, I know you're a yoga guy. You're going to go there. I'm like, no, all right, you know, great. Easy breezy, um, but I just want, you to know, here's my deal. So like, don't shut the door during our session or whatever the thing is, you know, that happens all the time too. I'm like, no problem.
0: for listening to the breathing deeply yoga therapy and meditation podcast if you enjoyed this episode please consider subscribing leaving a positive review and sharing it with friends for more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs visit breathingdeeply.com